The Free Vision app is where you'll find a growing range of on-demand audio and video to help you look to God daily. Search Vision Christian Media in your app store. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. The story. The laws had changed, which gave the adoptive child or parents the right to have access to the birth certificate. And I heard a news report telling us that was available to parents with adoptive children. And I said to my husband, it's not right that they make that possible because I didn't want to be in touch with Jan. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, today we have part two of our special six-part series of interviews that tell a multi-generational story of how God works through the lives of broken people. Last time we heard from Helen Marsh, who was only 14 years old when she had to give up her baby for adoption, never knowing if she would ever see her daughter again. Now, here's more of Helen's conversation with Eric Scadabo and author Samantha Jekyll in our Melbourne studios. Welcome back to the program. Nice to be back. I can't wait to hear the next part of this story, Eric. That's right. If you didn't hear last time, we were speaking with Helen Marsh. She's the author of the book, Up Out of Egypt. And uh, let me kind of give a thumbnail sketch of what we talked about last time. Helen shared with us that at 14 years old, she became pregnant. That was back in the 50s. And she was forced to give her baby up for adoption. And then when she was 15 years old, she met and married her husband, Wally. And they had three children in three years. And eventually, they had some struggles in their marriage, as we heard last time. And then she met a Christian lady who invited her to church, and she became a Christian. And the important thing there was that she had been searching for affirmation, wanted to feel loved, and finally, she felt that from the Lord. Is that kind of a nice summation of your story so far, Helen? Ah, that's absolutely correct. When I became a Christian, it was absolutely wonderful. I felt like I was connected. I I knew God loved me. And I was in a Bible study for ladies for seven years. I felt like I was in the honeymoon period. It was just such Mm -hmm. a wonderful experience to be born again. And then after seven years, as we were studying Philippians, We learned that Paul was joyful in all circumstances. And I had begun to feel that old inferiority creep back in again. I wasn't um, connecting with the people of the church as I would like. And I started to feel that um, melancholy that was part of my life. And my pastor suggested I have some counselling. And when I saw the counsellor, he suggested that I had bitterness and anger in my heart. I didn't realize I was bitter, mm-hmm. um, but the depression that I carried in my heart was caused from the bitterness and anger that I'd buried deep down about my parents. And so when I realized that and I was able to truly forgive mum and dad, I wrote a letter to them and told them that I was really sorry. I apologized. I said I was sorry for the pain and the grief that I'd caused them in my early years. And and I found forgiveness for myself for the things that I'd done in the early years, the the years of our marriage, um, the failure to um, parent my children as I should. Being a young mum, I didn't have the skills and and my emotions were all over the place. And there's a verse in the Bible, John eight thirty six, and it says, So if the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. Amen. And that's yeah. what I experienced. 
after your counseling, you also took marriage courses, and eventually you felt led by the Lord to become an associate pastor at that church as well. So fantastic story of God redeeming you, a wonderful story of redemption. Now we want to continue to the exciting bit that we've been waiting for. How did you eventually meet your daughter that you gave up for adoption when you were 14 years old? The laws had changed. I think it was 1984, which gave the adoptive child or parents the right to have access to the birth certificate. And in 1987, I heard a news report telling us that was available to parents with adoptive children. And I said to my husband, it's not right that they make that possible because I didn't want to be in touch with Jan because I felt it was I thought that would be an answer to prayer, but you're saying you didn't like that law. No, I didn't. I really wanted to meet my daughter, but I didn't think I had the right to enter into her life and and cause instability in her life or spoil whatever she had going with her adoptive parents. And so I knew I wouldn't look for her. But unbeknownst to me... Can I ask, just at this point, you've got other children, three children. Yeah, four children. Four children, and they're teenagers. Adults now. So they're young adults now. So do they know about your past, that they've got a sister out there? No way, no. My husband knew. I told him um, soon after we met about my baby being adopted out, but my kids didn't know anything. That was a secret that I held deeply within my heart. So even though these laws have come about, that would be also another reason possibly for not wanting to connect with this your daughter? It would complicate things. Yeah. I hadn't actually thought about that. <laughs> my first thought was for my daughter. Yeah, mm. okay. Um, and I, I just felt like, yeah, no, I wouldn't do that. It, was, it wasn't, wasn't a good thing. If she yeah. wanted to find me, well, I didn't even think about that. Um, little did I know my daughter was searching for me. So now you told us last time that your baby that you had, the one that you gave up for adoption, you named her Karen Lee, but her new parents, her adoptive parents, actually renamed her Jan. Is that's that right? right? Yes, that's right. Yes. Yeah. And Jan had started searching for me. She was involved in a self-help group and they were helping her to search. Now, my family name was Shellcross and um, Jan decided that she would look down the list of phone numbers with the name Shellcross because her father had remembered my maiden name was Shellcross and So she started, but she got all the way down to the second last name and was so tired and disillusioned that she hadn't found the answer she was looking for that she gave up the the search. And it was a little while later that her friends encouraged her to pick it up again. And so the last two names in the phone book, um, she made that phone call. My father's name was William. So he was right at the end, (laughs) and uh, Jan rang my father and asked if he had had a daughter, a 15-year-old daughter, who had given up her baby to adoption at this particular date, and he said, well, yes, I did have a daughter, and Later, Jan told me she was always blown away with the honesty of my father Mm. because if he'd said no, then that would have ended her search. Mm. And we should back up and say that Jan knew that she had a sister. 
Tell us that story. Jan decided when the law changed that she wouldn't search for her mother for the sake of her own adoptive mother. She didn't want to hurt her. But her mother knew that Jan had a sister and Jan always wanted a sister. And so this one particular day, her mother told her and Jan decided then that she wanted to make the search. And so she began. So how did her adoptive mother know that she had a sister somewhere? Ah, because when I was married and had a little girl, I was so proud that I'd made something of my life. And so I decided to take my 18-month-old girl back to the sisterhood and introduce her to the people at the sisterhood and uh, show them that I'd made something of myself. Two weeks later, Jan's mother and father went to the sisterhood to pick up a brother for Jan. Wow, two weeks later. Two weeks later, and they said that they told Jan's mum, had they been there two weeks before, they would have seen that Jan had a sister. Wow. So she just kind of tucked that information in the back of her mind. She did. And then pulled it out years later to let Jan know that somewhere out there, she had a sister. Yes. And when she found, when Jan found that out, she decided to make the search. Now, there was a seven-year waiting list to get the um, birth certificate through the Department of Social Security. So Jan decided that she would try and do the search herself. And because she knew the surname, she went to the phone book. And that's when she called your father. And that's when she called my father. So your father receives the call. Um What does he do with that information? Does he pass out your number to her or does he contact you? Yeah, what happened next? Yeah. Okay. Um, My mother had passed away two years before and Dad was coming over to have uh, dinner with us at night and he came and pulled me aside and told me about a phone call he'd had from a woman that was looking for her birth mother. Wow, your stomach must have dropped. It did. I was excited. Yes, and the woman had left a phone number and said that uh, I could ring her the next day at this particular time if I wanted to take it any further. Boy, did I want to take it further. (laughs) I had waited 29 years to hear something about my daughter. I didn't know whether she was dead or alive, Mm. happy or sad. Yeah, you were wondering all these years. I did, yes. And so, of course, the next day I prepared myself to make the phone call. I was nervous. I picked up the phone. How did I know she was really my daughter? So after a few questions and uh, her answering me, I realized that this was my daughter I'd given away so long ago. You're listening to The Story. Our guest today is once again Helen Marsh who is the author of the book Up Out of Egypt. And she's sharing her story of how she was finally reunited with her daughter, who she gave up for adoption when she was only 14 years old. We'll find out what happens next in Helen's story when we return. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. 
Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. We're continuing with Helen Marsh sharing her remarkable life journey with Eric Scadabo and author Samantha Jekyll. Helen has written about her experiences in her book called Up Out of Egypt. Today, we're hearing part two of her story. This time, we're focusing on how she was finally reunited with her daughter, who she gave up for adoption when she was only 14 years old. Now, we'll find out what happened next in Helen's life. We made arrangements to meet. She lived in country. She lived in a country town, the same town that she was taken as a baby to. Um, But since then, she had married and had four children of her own. And so the next Tuesday, her husband drove her down to Melbourne and um, she came and had lunch with me. And as she walked up the driveway, I looked at this woman that I had no connection to. And I thought, she's not the baby I gave away. How was I going to relate to her? Would she be anything like me? Um, Would we have anything in common at all? And um, I answered the door and we hugged. And But it wasn't like um, you see on the movies and they are, oh, it's all wonderful. And um, it was strained. And um, anyway, she came in. We had lunch. She brought a photo album to show me photos of her life as a baby, as a child, as a married woman, her wedding photos of her children. But there were photos that I just couldn't relate to. And um, I'm just thinking here, in one lunchtime, you're getting her whole life, you know, from her childhood to her marriage. I mean, that's just overwhelming to your mind. It it was, yes, it was very overwhelming. It was lovely too because I could see that she was very much like me. Same way we talked, threw our hands around, mm. um, our mannerisms. Yeah, this really was my daughter. And so then came the time that we had to decide to, um, I had to decide to tell my family. Wally already knew, but my yeah. children didn't know at all and uh, I wondered how they were going to take this. So I decided to tell my daughter on her own first because Sharon and I had developed a, a very close relationship but Sharon was also an insecure person and I was a little bit worried that this might upset her, that she might feel threatened in our relationship or jealous and so I went to Sharon um, she was married by now. She had um, children of her own. And uh, when I rang and said I was coming down to see her, she thought, what could mum want to tell me? And she was really worried that it was going to be something really bad. And when I told her that she had a sister and that we were going to get to meet her, she was absolutely blown away. I've got a sister. Wow. She'd always wanted a sister of her own. And I was amazed that Jan had wanted a sister all her life and Sharon had wanted a sister. I never could tell Sharon she had a sister because we could never do anything about it. Mm. And so it was a secret. So you just kind of kept that to yourself, even though your daughter Sharon was saying, oh, I just wish I had a sister. And Mm. you knew she had one. Yes. But you couldn't say anything. No. Until then. Did they meet each other? Then we decided that the whole family should meet. And uh, prior to that, then we gathered the family together. And I told all the children Mm -hmm. the story Mm -hmm. of how Jan had contacted me and how that we were going to get together as a family and meet her family. In all of this time, you must be still processing 
just meeting this daughter that you gave up and, you know, processing what's gone on over the last however many years. Yeah, that's right. I was. And I was surprised that I didn't have the emotion that I thought I would have for my daughter, the emotion that I had for the baby that I had when I held her when she was first born. But there was no emotion there. In fact, I was almost like dried up inside. Mm. I didn't have any emotion at all. And I felt a bit bad about that. But when we come together as family, everybody was so excited. Um, Jan's children are about similar age to some of our children, and they gelled together really well. Brett who was two years older than Jan's eldest child, thought it was marvellous that he was uncle to <laughs> one, of the, one of Jan's children. And everything seemed to be really honky-dory. So was your relationship with Jan, did it just come mashed together? Like, did you become her mum or was that a process? She already had a mum though, so that kind of makes it complicated. That's right. Um, Yeah, Jan decided that she would not aim for a mother-daughter relationship, but a friendship. Mm -hmm. And so she called me Helen. She didn't call me mum. And that was twofold because she didn't want to hurt her adoptive mother's feelings. Yeah. And so um, that was how it was for a few months. But then her kids wanted to call me Nan, like all my other grandchildren. Hmm. And so they started calling me Nan. And then Jan asked me one day if she could call me mum. And I really believed that, you know, I felt that that was a milestone in our journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did you feel when she said that? It was a lovely, it was, it was a sense that she was growing towards me as well. But I still had this feeling of un, that I didn't have any love for my daughter. Mm. And, and, and you felt guilty about And that. I did feel guilty. I, I carried that guilt. And, but I thought I was covering it really well. I thought that everybody else thought everything was wonderful. And, um, then Jan told me one day that she was feeling very hurt. She was really struggling in the relationship, that she felt like I was more attentive even to my daughter-in-laws than I was to her. And she was right, because when we came together, it was easier to be chatting to my daughter-in-laws than Jan, because I didn't have that emotional Mm. tug. I didn't have the guilt. And um, when Jan told me that, I realised that something had to be done, but I didn't know what to do. Jan decided that she would have some counselling and she went to the counsellor and found it helpful and one day I said to Jan, would you like me to come along? And she said, I would really love that mum. I went and we sat in the counsellor's room and the counsellor encouraged us to just say what was on our heart and we were open and honest and, um, and we told each other of how we felt and what we really longed for the relationship. And then the counsellor said, how often do you spend time together, just the two of you? And we both chimed in, hardly ever. It was always family days Mm. we got together. And so she recommended we have a weekend away. And we went away for the weekend. I prayed and I wrote a list of things that I asked God to do for us that weekend. And it was a most amazing weekend. We got to know each other, what her favourite colour was. We both love walking on the beach. Um, we loved eating f- greasy fish and chips. <laughs> and we went home from that weekend and our relationship had changed. Mm. And um, from that point on, 
I developed a love for my daughter. And she has her own journey, obviously. Yes. What is her relationship with the Lord? It's beautiful. Jan became a Christian um, soon after we met, and her journey has been one of faith and enthusiasm. Her husband became a Christian after that, and um, they're walking with the Lord and serving in the church. Wow. What a story of reconciliation. Oh, yeah. Now, her putting her faith in the Lord, did you have a part in that, or is that a separate story? No. that I can't take any credit for that at all. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, God had a hand in that, and it was Jan's search, her own search, her own journey to find the Lord. You she know, did. I just, in your story, Helena, I just find it incredible the reconciliation between your family and Jan's family and the fact that you've molded together as one family mm. I mean really it sounds impossible you it know does. This, this girl gets given up she doesn't see you for so, most of her life and then she comes and meets not only her mother but also her new siblings that she has mm -hmm. and a new stepdad and and the lord just i just feel like the god has had, has had his hand upon your life from the beginning right through mm -hmm. even when you didn't know him he's had his hand there directing and moving and has reconciled this dysfunctional area of your life and making it functional to mm -hmm. being this incredible family it's powerful. against all odds yeah against, against all, all odds because there's a whole lot of reasons why it wouldn't have worked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But and sometimes it, it doesn't. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there, are, there have been some women who have come up to me when I've shared my story, even hostile, to say, well, God's done that for you. He hasn't done it for me. But Jan and I wanted it to work. It would have been so easy to go our separate ways because of the difficulties we were facing and the emotions and the pain. But we wanted it to work. Mm. And with God's help and prayer, mm. then, yeah, he was a victor in our lives. And it's walking out that process, isn't it, even though it was painful and hard work? And it's the same with any relationship, whether it's marriage mm -hmm. or friendships yep. or yep. siblings. It always has to be worked at. Yeah. Yeah, you couldn't just snap your finger and boom, we're mother and daughter and everything's fine. No. You had to work at it. That's right, yeah. So, Helen, I'm guessing that you're still with Wally, your husband. I am, yes. What a guy. Yeah, yeah what a guy <laughs> to walk this journey with you. And how many yeah. years have you been married now? Um, in November, we've been married 59 years. 59 wow. years. That's wow. awesome. That's a testimony. Because you were itself. married when you were three years old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thereabouts. Actually, it was yeah. 15 or 16? I was 16 when I was oh. married. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 16 and Wally was 20. Wow, what a guy. Uh, yeah. yeah. Congratulations. That's a milestone. That's mm, awesome. Thank you. Well, Helen, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Thank you, Helen. It's been a pleasure. That was Eric Scadabo along with Samantha Jekyll with Helen Marsh author of the book Up Out of Egypt. And if you want to learn more about her incredible story, you can read her book. And also, you can join us again next time for part three of this six-part series when we'll hear Helen's son, Jeff, tell his equally remarkable story. Actually, Eric was already planning on interviewing Jeff regarding his ministry, Elisha Care, when he realised he and Helen were related and that their stories 
are linked. You can read some of Jeff's story also in Helen's book, Up Out of Egypt. For more information, the website is upoutofegypt.com. That's upoutofegypt.com. So once again, we invite you to join us next time for Jeff Marsh's story and to hear more of the theme throughout this six-part series of how God chooses some of the most unlikely people to do some of the most remarkable things in his kingdom. Until then, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. I get back to Drew and all my mates are there. Ah, oh, Marshy's back in town. Yeah, come and have a drink with us. And I couldn't say no. So I'm back in the pub, leaving my partner, leaving my son, and back drinking with the boys. And I look back and think, oh, my goodness, she had every right to leave me. And so she did. She, she said, I can't do this. You're not a, you're not a father. You just, the boys are too important. She left me. She took my little boy. And my life crumbled at that stage. Jeff Marsh is the founder of Elisha Care, a community in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne that focuses on restoring hope, value and purpose in broken people's lives. And one of the main reasons Jeff has a heart for the downtrodden in society is because he has experienced brokenness himself. We'll hear his story next time. The story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.